I thought that was a timely verse that he chose to share with us as we've been talking last week about Jerusalem and how we're doing what God wants us to do right now in Jerusalem and uh, all of October, reaching our area for Christ through various open house and Western Day and Kids Day and all those things, reaching Jerusalem. And last week we talked about Judea, reaching Los Angeles. And uh, as we're faithful in Jerusalem, as that verse says, God will take us to Rome. And now this week, God wants to take some of you and say, hey, what you're doing here, winning souls, seeing them baptized, discipling those converts. Hey, let's take you over here to uh, the Congo, or let's take you over here to China. Let's take you to Tanzania, wherever God would have for you. And let's do the same thing over and over and over again. And someone that has certainly done that all of their life and in so many different places is Dr. Don Sisk. And I'm so glad that we get to hear him this morning in this final message today. And so Dr. Sisk, you come. Let's welcome Dr. Sisk home and uh, to preach for us in this chapel hour. Thank you, thank you. You may be seated. Of course, it would be superfluous for me to say that I'm happy to be here, okay? At 85 years of age, I'm happy to be anywhere in the world. <laughs> okay, but uh, Dr. Getsch, it's been a great morning. Uh, 2002, when I resigned as the president of Baptist International Missions Incorporated, I had a lot of ideas of what I was planning to do. And uh, none of them included moving to Lancaster, California, okay? But I came out for the uh, leadership meeting, and I think it was in June at that time, and uh, Dr. Rasmussen and Dr. Paul Chappell had some plans for my life. <laughs> we uh, sang the song this morning, the, the group sang the song, I Will Go, and uh, that was my wife's favorite missionary song. And every time I hear that song, so many of the things in the song that reminds me of, of, of her. And... Uh, one of the last things that she wanted to do was move to Lancaster. We lived in eastern Tennessee. We had trees. We had grass. <laughs> we even got some snow every once in a while. It was a, we had a beautiful place. And, uh, but once she realized that, that God wanted us here, uh, she very graciously and happily moved out here and, and honestly the last 13 years of our life uh, have been some of the best years that we have ever experienced in our whole life. And when I look at the graduates, and I, and I meet graduates from West Coast Baptist College every week, uh, it, it's very seldom that I go to a church anywhere in America that, that I do not see somebody that graduated from West Coast Baptist College. And... Uh, most of them make me very happy, <laughs> okay? And uh, I, I get the comments from pastors all over America. 
I don't have to teach them how to win souls. They know about soul winning. I don't have to teach them how to be servants. They're good servants. I don't have to teach them to be faithful. They are faithful. I don't have to teach them to be obedient. They're obedient. So uh, what you're learning in classroom day after day after day and what you're learning here in the chapel service five days a week, and thank God for that, uh, that is preparing you for what God has for you uh, in the future. And it, it, it is such a joy just to see what God is doing with our graduates all over the world. I want you to open your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 9, one of the most familiar missionary passages in the Bible. And I, I have several verses that I'm going to read this morning, not just from Matthew, but other places. So uh, uh, be patient with an old man as he reads a lot of verses, okay? Uh, Dr. Tom Malone used to always use long passages in his preaching. He usually didn't get to most of what he read, but he always read long passages. And uh, somebody asked him one time, why do you always read such long passages? And he said, well, if I am persecuted in one verse, I will flee to the other, okay? <laughs> so if I get hung up on one verse, then I can't handle it, I'll, I'll go somewhere else. But uh, let me give you the title of the message this morning, okay? Title is very simple. It is harvest time. Uh, it is harvest time. October is a good month, is it not? It's a good month for me. I got saved in October when I was 16 years old. Think about it, 49 years ago. Pretty soon I will have been saved 50 years. And uh, that's twice your age, okay? And even more for most of you, okay? And uh, that was a wonderful, the greatest, greatest day in my life was when I bowed my head, bent my knees, and asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. And uh, everything changed after that. Thank God for it. But October has been a good month for me in many, many ways. October, you think about the harvest. Uh, back in Kentucky, we used to take a week off during October. And uh, it was a rural area. Half the kids wouldn't have been out of school anyway because during the harvest time, everybody got involved. Uh, the ladies would cook big meals, the men would be out in the field. Everybody, everybody did something. Harvest time. Listen to Jesus. Matthew 9, 36. But when he saw the multitudes, and I hope, we'll get the vision of the multitudes today. And I know people get saved one by one. But uh, we'll talk about the multitudes a little bit later. But and he saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion. By the way, if you don't have it underlined, underline the word compassion. Compassion. He was moved with compassion. What, what moved him? Because on them, because they were, they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Think about it. 
They didn't know where to go. They didn't know what to do. They didn't have a shepherd. Jesus looked at them, and he was moved with compassion. He said unto them, the harvest, look at the word harvest. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Then he said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now I want you to turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. After Jesus had had this confrontation with the woman at the well, the Bible tells us in John chapter 4, beginning of the passage, that he must needs go through Samaria. There was a Samaritan woman there, desperate need of something, and because of that, it drove Jesus to go through that place that Jews usually did not go through. And after the woman had uh, met Jesus and he began to tell her about the water of life and so forth, just a wonderful experience, his disciples had gone away to, uh, to get some food. They came back with the food, and the Bible says, in the meantime, uh, when his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore, his disciples said one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus said unto them, listen to it, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Wow. The thing that satisfies me more than anything else in all the world, and that's what Jesus is saying, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And listen to what he says to them. And listen to what he's saying to you and me today. Say not... There yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. When Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Here he says, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest. And he that reap, reapeth, receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit into life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap, that wherein you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you are entered in to the labors. What a glorious thing is harvest. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. You don't have to read there, but turn there. But... Maybe mark it down somewhere, but here's a wonderful verse. The Bible says, He that gathereth in the summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in the harvest is a son that causeth shame. Think about that. He that sleepeth in the harvest. In other words, when the men are out in the field working and when the women are 
in the kitchen cooking the food for the laborers out in the field, and everybody else is doing a job, and yet here is a big, lazy boy laying in a bed of some kind doing nothing. The sad thing is that of all of the Christians in America, most of them are sleeping during the harvest. And nothing could bring more shame to our Savior, our Father, than sleeping in the harvest. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg in the harvest and have nothing. Dear Lord, I pray that as we thought about all of these verses that I've read this morning, that talks about the harvest. I pray that you'd help each of us to realize today that we stand in an unusually wonderful place of great opportunities today. The harvest truly is plenteous. And as never before, the labors are so few comparatively. So, dear God, I pray you'll speak to our hearts this morning about our part in the harvest. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want you to think with me about just four or five simple things this morning. Number one, I want you to think about the magnitude of the harvest. The magnitude of the harvest. I just copied this the other day, but listen to some numbers. In China today, and here are the 10 largest countries in the world, in China there are 1.4 billion people. Unbelievable. Brother Ted spoke to us today about the city where he's going, 10 million people. In India there is 1.3 billion people. Then you drop down the United States of America, 326 million. Uh, Indonesia, 266 million. By the way, pray particularly for Indonesia. Another big plane crash today there. 189 people killed. Tsunami a few years, just a few weeks ago, that killed thousands of people. So do pray for that country. Brazil, 210 million pe billion people. Pakistan, 200 million people. Nigeria, 195 million people. Bangladesh, 166 million people. Russia, 143 million people. Mexico, 130 million people. The magnitude of the harvest. Uh, until the year 118 and 4, there had never been a billion people on the face of the earth at one time. Think about that. Just a hundred and some odd years, two hundred years ago now, there had never been a time when there was a billion people. Not until 18 and 4. And there was another 123 years before it reached 2 billion. But in 1927, it took only 33 years to rise another billion. For instance, even in the year 2000, that you can remember well, okay? The year 2000, 
it has risen over one and a half billion people. The magnitude of the harvest. The magnitude of the harvest. No, no generation has ever had as many opportunities as we have today. Then let me think about something real good. And that is the openness and the receptiveness of countries all around the world. Now, forgive me for talking about the Philippines, but that's where I just got back from, okay? Uh, every once in a while, someone will say to me, Brother says, what is the most needy country in the world? And I say, it's the country that I just left, okay? <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it could have been Russia. It could have been Bangladesh. It could have been uh, China. It could have been anywhere, all the countries I've been to. But uh, just think about the receptiveness of the people and the open doors that God has given us today. So, so let me talk just a little bit about the Philippines, okay? Uh, 41 years ago, a young man by the name of Ricky Martin and his wife, Becky, went to the Philippines. And uh, you heard about Brother Bruce Rice last night, a wonderful sermon. You saw his presentations and so forth. I went to the Philippines the first time in 1970. In 1970, I met missionary after missionary. BIMI at that time did not have any missionaries in the Philippines. And I met with missionaries from other mission organizations, and every one of them said to me, Brother Sisk, if we are able to stay in the Philippines another year, we'll be fortunate. Communism was moving from country to country, the Philippines was rich for communism. It was ripe to be taken. And every one of them thought within a year, probably all the missionaries will be out of here. But guess who is sovereign in open and closed doors? I open doors and no man can close it. I close doors and no man can open it. Thank God he's sovereign even in that, amen? And God knew that there was going to be a great harvest in the Philippines, and he left the doors open. After I became the Far East Director of BIMI, just in a matter of a few weeks, several people had committed their life to go to the Philippines, and somebody said to me one time, Brother Sears, why are so many people going to the Philippines? And I said, I don't know. I'm not the Lord. I don't call people. I present needs, but I don't call people. Guess who knew there was going to be a harvest? God knew that, amen. And the doors were left open. And thank God, several independent Baptist missionaries have gone, and literally hundreds of independent Baptist churches have been established. And it's not exaggerating. Tens of thousands of people have been saved by the grace of God because somebody listened and they Realize that somewhere there is a harvest and I'm going to partake in the harvest. Amen. As I watched Rick and Becky Martin minister to those people and the hundreds of churches that have been started out of that one mission there in Iloilo, I could not help but think, what a great harvest receptive 
people all over the world. I remember going to Romania early after the communist deterioration in that area. And they became an independent republic. And we rented a soccer field. And all we did was just put up a few posters and pass out several thousand pamphlets. And we had a meeting on Friday night, Saturday night, and the soccer field was filled every night. And you would give the invitation. And when, when the invitation came and to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, they would literally fill the soccer field. Now, I don't know how many got saved. I have no idea. Uh, I don't know that anybody's saved except me, amen? Now, I know for sure I'm saved. I think most of you are saved, okay? But I, somebody say, well, how many of them got saved? I don't know how many of them got saved, but I know one thing, they heard the gospel, yes, that, that, that they were sinners and that Jesus was the Savior and that he would call, save anybody that would call upon him so I don't know how many got saved. That's up to the Lord. But I do know they were a receptive people. Could I say to you this morning, there are fields all over the world where people are hungry to hear the gospel. By the way, many of them do not know what they're hungry for, and they're not saying, missionaries, come over and tell us, but we know that they have an emptiness because they do not know the Lord and what they're really hungry for is him. And I could tell you about country after country. You've seen them already this week. Sri Lanka. Thank God for young men like Brother Soren that's going to Sri Lanka. Think about a country like that with practically no missionaries whatsoever. We saw the films last night of Colombia. Again, people that are anxious, people that need to know something. We talked about the Dominion Republic. You could think about country after country in Africa. And there are so many places around the world that are hungry for the gospel. The fruit is there. It just needs to be harvested. Listen to Jesus. Say not there yet four months and then come the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the field. They are white already. They're white. It's ready to be harvested. If it is not harvested, it will be wasted. One of the things that thrilled me about being in the Philippines was Number one, seeing all the thousands of people come for the Work and Pastors Conference. But then to go with Mrs. Martin to one of the extension classes on Saturday. She had two of the other Filipino girls that went with her. And uh, we went to this little place, and we were walking along, and there was all kind of garbage beneath us. It was a horrible situation. And Becky said, Brother Sis, if you fall in, I'm not going to bother you to get you out. It would take too much to clean you up. It was a horrible situation. But we got to a little place, and there was some bamboo down there, and just over that 
garbage cesspool, and little kids began to gather. And by the time they all got there, there were 35 or 40 kids gathered around there. Some of them standing on that bamboo right over that stuff. And I thought, dear God, don't let them fall, <laughs> okay? I mean, it, it was horrible just to think about it. But people live in that every day. And that day, those two Filipino girls, they taught about 35 or 40 children. But the thing about it was, Dr. Getch, there was 150 teams like that that were going out. 150 teams from the church that would go out and teach the children on Saturday. And each of the teams would go to four different places. Now, you figure it up. 600 extension classes. And each of those classes, 25, 30, 35, 40 kids. And they sat there and they listened. And you watched them as they clapped their little hands together and prayed. The harvest truly is plenteous. The harvest truly is plenteous. The magnitude of the harvest. 7.6 billion people on Earth planet, or planet Earth. And every one of them is a potential believer. Because the Bible tells me that Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Everybody deserves to hear the gospel at least one time. The harvest, the harvest truly is plenty. They may be downtown L.A. They may be in China. They may be anywhere else. But they deserve at least one time to hear the gospel. And by the way, it's up to us to get it to them. The harvest truly is plenteous. So the magnitude of the harvest. But then think about the problem of the harvest. The problem of the harvest. And the problem, number one, is insufficient manpower. By the way, there is a big sign up today Help wanted. Help wanted. I used to detest going to some churches in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Because in Chattanooga, Tennessee, many times I would go to a church and there would be eight or ten former Tennessee Temple students that had graduated and they were sitting there doing everything in the world. And you would talk to them about ministry and they would say something like this, well, we're just waiting for an open door. And I used to think, there are billions of open doors. Why don't you go somewhere and do something? The insufficient manpower. What's the problem? No vision. Jesus said, lift up your eyes. Look. Look beyond your own area. Look beyond your own city. Look beyond your own country even. 
Look at the world. See the world as Jesus sees the world. For God so loved the world. No vision. We are looking at so many things. Brother White talked about the American dream. Hey, by the way, it's a nightmare for most people, okay? It's not what you think it is. And most people, they get what they think is the American dream. When they get it, they realize there's no satisfaction in it whatsoever. The only real satisfaction for a born-again child of God is being in the will of God wherever that may be and doing the will of God. Amen. The insufficient manpower, the lack of vision, and then the unequal distribution. The unequal distribution. In 1974, I began, uh, 1975, I'm sorry, I began to preach mission conferences all over America. And I used this statistic in those days that of all of the people in the world, only about 6% of the people of the world have English as their first language. But that 94% of all of the preachers are preaching in the English language. By the way, the sad thing is that statistic has not changed at all. It's still true. About 6% of the people of the world have English as their first language. And yet 94% of all of the preaching and about that percentage of all of the money that is given for the cause of Christ is given to that preaching in English. And that means that 6% of the preachers are preaching to 94% of the world. Something is wrong with that figure. Somebody has not lifted up their eyes and seen the rest of the world. The unequal distribution. Then think with me for a minute this morning about the methods that produce a harvest. The methods that produce a harvest. In 1 Corinthians 3 and verses 6 through 9, we have a very interesting portion of Scripture. I'll read it real quickly, okay? Paul said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. And then he says, for we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Yeah. Now think about a great statement. If you sow and do not reap, someone will reap where you have sown. If you reap and you have not sown, you can mark it down. Somebody has already sown before you. What produces a harvest? Now, anybody that knows anything about agriculture knows you don't just get a harvest. Somebody has to 
clear the field. Somebody has to plow the ground. Somebody has to sow the seed. Somebody has to water the seed. But if the ground is plowed and the seeds are sown and the seeds are watered, there will be a harvest. I've had the privilege in the last few years, I mentioned this last night for you that were there, but to go back to for some 50th anniversaries. In 2016, I got to go back for the 50th anniversary of the Cindy Newtown Baptist Church in Osaka, Japan. And I, I looked there and on the anniversary day, they had 750 people by invitation only. That's all they could take care of. And they had a choir of 60 people, and all of them had been saved and baptized at the Cindy Newtown Baptist Church, and they were now in full-time Christian ministry. They were missionaries and pastors and pastors' wives, and on and on. There has been a great harvest. But I remember in 1960. Six, as my wife and my daughter and my son would go up and down the steps of the apartment buildings there and knock on doors and give the gospel pamphlets and sowing the seed. And thank God there's been a harvest. So for some of you, it may be going to a field where you are going to have to break up the fallow ground. It may be going to a field where you have to do the sowing and not doing the reaping. But wait a minute. The results is not up to us. The results is up to God. And it doesn't matter whether we sow or reap. One day we will all rejoice together. Amen. The main thing, the main thing is to be faithful wherever God wants you to go. In closing, think about the master of the harvest. The master of the harvest. In Luke chapter 10 and also in Matthew chapter 9, the emphasis it is it is my harvest. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. It is the Lord's harvest. And thank God he is a compassionate Savior. Listen to him. I have meat to eat that you know not of. You could tell some of these missionaries that mentioned different places today. Man, look at all the things you're missing here in America. And I think every one of them would say, hey, I have meat to eat that you know not of. I'll never forget being in Japan years ago when we first started there and things were not going good at all. And I got a letter from a pastor and it was like he was trying to rub it in. I've gone to this church to preach a trial sermon. 
I'm driving a new Cadillac that somebody has let me have. And he told me the famous restaurant that he ate at and all of those things. And I thought, okay, I got to eat some curry rice today and I got to pass out some pamphlets and I got to tell some Japanese that have never heard the gospel about Jesus Christ. Caleb said, Nani Yesu, who is Jesus? Can I tell you, there is nothing like telling somebody the gospel for the first time that they've ever heard it. I'll never forget telling a 76-year-old man the gospel. And after he heard about the resurrection of Christ, with tears in his eyes, he said, Sensei, Sensei, Sono Hanashiwa, Honto, teacher or teacher, are you telling me a real story? And thank God it was a real story, and he got saved that night. I have meat to eat. Listen to the compassionate Jesus. And then listen to the promise. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weepeth, bearing precious seed. Now listen to it real carefully. Shall doubtless, without any shadow of a doubt, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Wow. We have a wonderful master, folks. It's his harvest. It's not my harvest. It's not your harvest. Thank God we get to rejoice in it. Amen. And, and it is a great joy. I mean, gathering in the sheep, that is a great joy. But it's just as necessary to plow the seeds and sow the seed and water the seed. And thank God we get to participate in the harvest. A couple of simple statements. We're not on the earth for selfish reasons. We're on the earth for spiritual reasons. We're not to be consumers, but to be contributors to the kingdom of God. We're not here put here for, we are put here for one purpose. I believe this in the depth of my heart, to do the will of God and to accomplish his work. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Take care of God's work. And all these things shall be added unto you. We're to follow his word, do his will, accomplish his work in his way. And by the way, the only failure of witnessing is the failure to witness. At this particular minute, 105 people die every minute. Every hour, 6,316 people die. We've been here two hours today. 12,632 people have died. According to my Bible, there are only two places in eternity. 
heaven and hell. And Jesus is the only way to heaven. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He that sleepeth in the harvest, he that sleepeth in the harvest will bring shame to his father. Let me read you something, not from an 84-year-old fuddy dud, okay? But from a 21-year-old, recent graduate of a college. Listen to what he wrote in his annual, or his, uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, well, okay, here, okay. <laughs> journal, okay, journal, okay. It's something like a yearbook, okay. <laughs> but listen to it. Surely those who know the great passionate heart of Jehovah must deny their own loves to share in the expression of his. Consider the call from the throne above, go ye. And from round about, come over and help us. And even the call from the damned, send Lazarus to my brother that they may not come to this place. Impelled then by these voices, I dare not stay home while the Aqua Indians perish. So what if the well-fed church in the homeland needs stirring? And by the way, here was a young man that, like Pastor Getz talked about, Caleb, had all kind of invitations to come and work as their youth leader to preach at youth meetings and so forth. What if the well-fed church in the homeland needs stirring? They have the scriptures. They have Moses and the prophets and a whole lot more. Their condemnation is written on their bank books and in the dust of their Bible covers. American believers have sold their lives to the service of mammon. And God has his rightful way of dealing with those who succumb to the spirit of Laodicea. Jim Elliot. We've heard some great testimonies this morning. Testimonies for West Coast Baptist graduates. Brother Caleb, Brother Ted, you'll hear Brother Soren, others. By the way, everybody I've mentioned, Dr. Gates, they're great people. They can do a lot of things, but they've heard a higher call. A higher call. Listen to Jesus. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. 
Okay, Lord, what shall we do? Pray ye. Let's bow our heads. Pray ye. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And while you're praying, God may say, okay, you're it. So what are you going to do about the harvest? I wonder if you would not say this morning, dear Lord, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to be, I'll be that. Let's stand together. The piano will play. God speaks to your heart. Just obey him, okay?